This is Father Aaron Williams with another podcast. If you like listening to these podcasts, please subscribe and leave a good rating on iTunes. Also, share them with your friends and check out the other great podcasts available through the Diocese of Jackson Office of Vocations. Just visit jacksonpriest.com. That's jacksonpriest with an S dot com. my homily from the Vigil Mass of Pentecost, given at St. Joseph Catholic Church in Greenville, Mississippi. The gospel tonight is a bit confusing. Confusing because it really is misleading. What do I mean by that? We heard tonight, our Lord says, But anyone who thirsts, come to me and drink. As scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within him who believes in me. Now this is a misleading line because it seems to imply that Scripture does indeed say that somewhere. But it doesn't. Even St. John Chrysostom, commenting on this passage, tells us, But where here does the Scripture say this? Nowhere. Now, he goes on to explain that this is likely not a problem with the text itself, but rather how we are interpreting it. Chrysostom prefers that we render the text more like, Let anyone who thirsts come to me and drink. For the one who believes in me, as the scripture says, shall have rivers of living water flow from within him. Hopefully you caught the difference there. St. John isn't as much quoting scripture as he is pointing to the whole of divine revelation. Coming to believe in Christ, much to the disagreement of non-Catholic Christians, is not really a matter of simply making a formal statement. You can't really stand up one day and proclaim yourself a Christian simply because you believe in Christ. Even our enemy believes in Christ. Our Lord reveals that true belief in him, true devotion to him, true Christianity, means also believing and holding to all the things said about him in Scripture and about how his followers should live. And this has always been the Catholic thought. For the Catholic, there is no such thing as accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, or a sort of once-saved, always-saved mentality. It's the reason Catholics don't often have a good answer when they're asked the question by Protestant of whether, if, or when they have been saved. There is no good Christian answer to this question, at least the way it's asked. Of course, we are all the beneficiaries of the salvific act of Christ on Calvary, where salvation is made possible to every person, but the Christian life is a lifelong, an eternal, lifelong commitment, which necessitates a radical way of living. For the one who believes in Christ, as the scripture says, shall have rivers of living water flow from within him. It was really an Islamic idea which led modern Protestants to accept the notion of personal salvation being attached to a single moment or to a profession of faith. While Martin Luther and John Calvin and all those other major Protestant thinkers were busy splitting off and starting their own religion, Muslim scholarship was making its way into Europe, along with the Muslim understanding of faith and salvation. For the Muslim, membership in the faith is rooted in a single act, a verbal and public profession of faith, namely, that there is one God, Allah, and that Muhammad is his prophet. Protestant Christians, affected by this philosophy and intrigued by Eastern thought, began to take on the same practice. 
and sought to root their own understanding of membership in the church to a public profession of Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. In fact, many Protestant communities began to see baptism as a mere outward expression of this personal profession of faith, no longer seeing a sacramental understanding of baptism as having any real effect on the soul. Now, I mention this for a particular purpose. The Christian religion, true faith in Christ, is not like the Muslim profession. We are not a religion of a book, but of a person, Jesus Christ, the second person of the most blessed trinity. So our response to the faith is not an acceptance of a written profession, but of a person, a whole person, and thus requires a change of our person. We have to both accept the truths of Christ and live them out. The Feast of Pentecost, which we celebrate tomorrow morning, was not originally a Christian feast. In the Old Covenant, it was called the Feast of Weeks, a festival which fell 50 days, that is, seven weeks plus one day, after the Feast of Passover. It marked the giving of the law to Moses on Mount Sinai, an event we heard recounted in the first reading. Usually, it also coincided with the wheat harvest, so there was a lot of springtime harvest imagery for the Jews. We hear St. Paul tonight speaking to the Romans of two sorts of harvest. The first is a natural growth in the world. He says, We know that all creation is groaning in labor pains even until now. All of creation is recognizing its inadequacy, and that includes the sort of material side of us. On our own, we are inadequate and in need of the assistance of God. But the Spirit comes to the aid of our weakness, and our supernatural life, our spiritual life, becomes the first fruits of the Spirit, the second harvest. On our own, man is incapable of truth, or goodness, or beauty. It is only when the Spirit interposes himself that we can be raised up. And who is the Spirit? The Spirit of truth, writes St. John. The Holy Spirit's chief role is to convince the world of truth and to convict the world of sin, to take our material and lowly life and to raise it up, to the supernatural life of God. But unlike the Protestant mentality, which sees grace as God simply covering over sinfulness, for the Catholic, the Spirit radically transforms those who believe, so that we are truly changed. You see, non-Catholic Christians reject the idea that man is ever capable of doing good. Only God is good, and so nothing man does can be good since man is not God. And there is a half-truth there. Only God is good, and man is not God. But in the Spirit, God works through man. We do not know how to pray as we ought, writes St. Paul, but the Spirit himself intercedes with inexpressible groaning. The great gift of the Spirit is that man is made capable of goodness. Non-Catholic Christians say that we are so obsessed with rules and laws, but they think this way because in their mind there is no way man can reach a standard of goodness. Now, Protestants hear this line of thinking and say that Catholics are so obsessed with merit and that we claim that we think we can somehow earn or buy our way into heaven. I remember speaking to an Episcopalian priest when I was a junior in high school. She was so confused why we had a midnight mass on Christmas, saying that she didn't think God kept score. But you see, that's missing the point entirely. It's not about keeping score. It's about allowing Christ and the faith to truly affect your life. The Church of God isn't just a neat club where if you manage to get in, you get to share the benefits. 
Pope Francis so often likes to say that the church is a field hospital for souls. We are here in this battle against evil and sin, but the church presents herself as the medicine to assist us in keeping up the fight, so that in the end, we may be crowned victors with Christ. And that means it's going to be a constant struggle and an unrelenting battle against the world and all that the world puts before us. It means that at times, we are going to have to not only hold, but fight our for our own beliefs and practices. Christianity isn't a spectator sport where you sit back and watch Christ do all the fighting. No, when we see evil in the world, it is up to us to fight it, because we have been given the weapon of the Spirit to arm us in that battle. Allow me to give you an example. This past week, as some of you may have heard, Bishop Thomas Tobin of the Diocese of Providence, Rhode Island, issued a statement to the priest of his diocese underscoring that Catholic parishes may not participate in any event related to the so-called Pride Month. That's the secular celebration of homosexuality. Now since then, Bishop Tobin has been violently attacked and sent death threats and been called all sorts of names by the mass media. Why do you think Bishop Tobin made this statement? Or why doesn't he take it back? Well, because of our gospel tonight. Let anyone who thirsts come to me and drink. For the one who believes in me, as the scripture says, shall have rivers of living water flow from within him. The faith is not a private or a personal matter. Jesus Christ didn't found a club or a self-help program or encourage a sort of healthy lifestyle. Rather, he gave us his very spirit so that we could be raised up to God. And sometimes, being raised up to God means being raised up like God on the cross. Alleluia. Christ is risen. Alleluia.